Hi folks, and welcome to another episode of West Obsessed, where the writers and editors of High Country News discuss issues critical to the American West. I'm Brian Calvert, the managing editor of High Country News, and I'm here in the studios of our collaboration partner, KVNF, in Paonia, Colorado. We generally say on this show that we're here to discuss issues important to the health of the American West, but that's usually an abstract statement. On today's show, that's literally true. We're going to talk about the system of healthcare in rural areas of the West. Uh, we've just put together an issue looking at this, and I'm joined today by assistant editor Kate Schimmel and our editorial fellow Paige Blankenbuehler. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Healthcare in the rural West creates a really interesting problem. Uh, that's mostly because of the distances separating people from the hospitals that they need. Uh, some areas have struggled even more than others with this particular problem, especially those still suffering in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis. Uh, Kate, you've been coordinating reporting with newspapers and other media in southern Colorado and northern New Mexico through something called the Solutions Journalism Network and a project called Small Towns Big Change. So I thought maybe we would uh, explain that project a little bit to folks and uh, talk about how it did some reporting on healthcare and, and what it found. Yeah, so there are a bunch of us living in these rural areas in southern Colorado, northern New Mexico, and a lot of what especially our partners report on is problems, consistent, persistent, terrible problems. With a little bit of luck, we found these folks, the Solutions Journalism Network, and they're helping us report the same way we report on problems, but on solutions. So taking a really close look at what people are trying to do in our communities to help us fix what's wrong uh, or what we're struggling with, to say that slightly more positively. Um, and healthcare is one of those. I mean, we have it here where High Country News is based, and then our partners are largely in northern New Mexico, and then we have one in the San Luis Valley of Colorado. Healthcare and making sure people have access to what they need is so hard. Uh, we live in places where everyone lives very far apart. Our communities are super disparate, um, and we just don't have a lot of resources. And one of the places that hits the hardest is hospitals and health clinics and mental health care. Yeah, so there's, there's kind of like this big tangle between um, the way people like to live in the West, which is sort of far apart from other people, um, and and this kind of like this need for healthcare, although it kind of gets a little bit jumbled up inside of, I think, some declining economics in certain towns. Paonia is an interesting case because it's kind of struggled. Paige, you, as a part of this package, were reporting on two things at once. And I know it was kind of crazy making for you to do this, but you reported <laughs> here in Paonia to figure out how how it fit into this larger problem of vulnerable communities when it comes to healthcare. So maybe you could explain a little bit um, first what's happening in Paonia, and, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what that means in the bigger picture. Yeah, great. Um, it was really interesting to report in Paonia, Colorado about this issue, because in a lot of ways it exemplifies this problem of rural healthcare and widening gaps in access. Um, this month, actually, Paonia is only clinic is closing. So as I was getting out in the field and reporting and talking to people in town about how they were going to be impacted by that, it just really put this this whole problem um, in a very local sense. It was really interesting. So 
I try to connect with elderly people in the community. Um, and a lot of the Peony Clinic's patients here uh, live so close to the clinic that they can just, you know, walk right across the street. And um, it's just really easy for them to do that. But now that the Peony Clinic's closing, it's the closest place that they're going to be able to go is Hotchkiss, which is about nine miles away. And the closest hospital is in Delta, and that's 30 miles away. So we're seeing in Peonia what we're seeing across the West with clinic closures and just widening gaps in coverage. Peonia, throughout my reporting, I figured out that it could be a model for other counties in, in some ways because uh, elderly people have a lot of coverage here and a lot of support. Um, there's this program called PACE, which provides services for elderly people. You have to be um, low income to qualify for that, but they do things like pick up people to drive them to their clinics or to the hospital, uh, take them grocery shopping. Uh, so they really fill in the gaps for elderly populations. There's another program that's starting to get off the ground right now. It's called A Little Help. And this is for elderly people that don't really fall into that low income slot but maybe are, are better off. They don't have their families here. They don't have the support network built in town. So this, this new program will essentially do the same thing that PACE is doing. Yeah, that's interesting because there are different um, vulnerabilities. In it. And I felt like when we were trying to figure out exactly what it meant to be far from healthcare, it was kind of a little tricky at first to figure out um, why that would be a problem if you had, um, you know, Okay, so you have to drive a little farther, um, but there are actually some big problems in that, right? So, what what did you find, Paige, um, in terms of what, some of the problems that people could encounter if they're farther and farther away from uh, healthcare, especially a hospital? Yeah, um, so this is really interesting, and people are going to be impacted in so many different ways by a clinic closure. So. Um, for some people, having to drive eight miles or 30 miles isn't that big of a deal. It's not going to affect them very much. But for other people who don't have transportation or um, an emergency, it's going to impact them um, hugely. So for one example, uh, the Peonia Clinic was uh, one of the places where you could stabilize someone before taking them to a hospital. Um, and that's helpful if someone's having a stroke or someone's having an asthma attack, you can't just put that person in an ambulance and then drive 40 minutes to the hospital to get them help. They need to, to be stabilized. So now that the Peonia Clinic's gone, um, the closest place to stabilize someone is in Hotchkiss or um, on the ambulance by one of the MTs. And that presents a whole nother set of challenges because um, our volunteer or our ambulance is all volunteer run here. So that just uh, increases the average response time, which in Peonia is about 15 minutes. Um, in September, once the Peonia clinic closes, the nearest one is going to be in Hotchkiss. So that adds on another 15 minutes. If you need to get that person to a hospital and stabilize them, it, the time adds up really, really quickly. And um, in an emergency situation, that could be life or death in some situations. Right. Well, and that's another interesting thing that we found here in other communities when we were talking about um, our reporting partners down in southern Colorado and uh, northern New Mexico. A reporter named Leah Todd, I think she was reporting down in Albuquerque, or at least she at least talked to a doctor in Albuquerque, but she talked a bit about uh, telemedicine 
uh, and like a video fix for some of these things. So I wonder, Kate, if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, Paige mentioned, you know, there are times when how long it takes to get to a hospital is the difference between life and death. And one of those times is strokes. Um, there's a medicine, TPA, which can be administered and it'll help dissolve the blood clot, but it has to be administered very quickly after the stroke. And in rural areas, there may not be someone to administer it, or they may not know whether they can or should. And what was happening in northern New Mexico is they were just helicoptering people to Albuquerque or to one of the larger communities to get treated in a hospital. And that's both time consuming and expensive, and it makes follow-up care very difficult because that person's family is not close, uh, that person's doctor is not close. And what she found was there was this group of doctors in rural areas that was that found that things like Skype, video conferencing, of all things, could help fix that problem. They would phone a doctor, they would write phone for help in one of these larger communities and be like, can we administer, should we administer this medication? And it, and it seemed to work. They've had a huge drop in the number of patients that they had to send to Albuquerque, send to Santa Fe. And they, one of the doctors said she hasn't lost a stroke patient since this program started. I think that that's an example of the kinds of solutions that we can find even in these pretty rural areas. Right, that's right. And obviously here in Paonia, there's been a lot of talk about how um, uh, better broadband or better communication can kind of um, fill in some of those uh, medical gaps. Um, Paige, I want to talk a little bit more about how Paonia fits into a bigger picture, though, because we also had you reporting on how the rural West um, is in danger or we want to talk a little bit about why the, the vulnerable populations in the West um, kind of what characterizes them. And uh, so you did a lot of reporting to find a lot of data by county, actually, across the West. Um, what did that reporting tell you about uh, vulnerable populations? Um, yeah, so in parsing through all of this data, um, we looked at Census Bureau data, but also um, a lot of information from the American Medical Association and Gallup polls that showed how many people are insured now because of the Affordable Care Act. But we really wanted to zero in on elderly populations, disabled, and those living without health insurance in rural communities. Um, and Delta County really exemplifies what's going on in the rural West in a lot of ways. Um, and just one example of that is um, since 2010, the number of people here that are, are 65 years and older has jumped almost 20%. Um, meanwhile, the patient to doctor ratio here is um, increasing, meaning that there are more people needing healthcare, but less doctors available to give it. And that number falls somewhere around um, like 1,300 out, uh, possible patients to just one single primary care physician. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how that will change now that the Paonia Clinic is closed because that, that data does take that into account. So now we're one clinic short in Delta County. Um, and yeah, there's, there's plans here to get an urgent care clinic in Paonia, but there's still going to be a significant gap. That could take a couple of months for that to happen. We still don't know if that's going to happen. 
Um, so Delta is almost ground zero. It's a perfect example of what's happening in the rural West where you're seeing uh, more elderly people, um, a, a significant population of disabled people. And um, in terms of how many people are covered by insurance here, we're just below the national average. So there's a lot of strain in Delta County, a lot of need for healthcare services, yet the access is, is dwindling. Of course, now the number of potential patients per doctor, there's a kind of uh, ratio there that people look at um, to determine people who are at risk. Uh, Paonia or Delta County isn't really in as bad a shape as some other places that you found um, in what we call doctor deserts, where people can have as many as potentially 15,000 potential patients for one doctor. I think that was true in Torrance County, New Mexico, uh, Mm -hmm. Stillwater County, Montana, potentially 9,000 patients per physician. Uh, There's Owyhee, Idaho, uh, 11,500 patients per physician. So there are some places in the West that there are really not that many doctors. Yeah, and it was so crazy looking through this data and uh, putting those numbers in perspective. I never would have expected to see something like one doctor for 15,000 people like we have in Torrance County, New Mexico, like you mentioned. But um, there are just so many rural counties across the West that really land in that spot between like 11,000, 15,000 people for one physician. Um, I was thinking about this, breaking down the math a little bit. In Torrance County, if every single person needed to go to the doctor and that doctor was setting up, say, like a 20-minute appointment during a 40-hour work week, it would take years and years for him to see all of those people. And of course, not everybody needs to go to the doctor, luckily. But um, I mean, just imagine the people that do need to and putting those numbers in perspective. It's yeah, access is a huge problem. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Some one of the other stories that we reported was out of uh, the Central Valley in California, uh, and they're experiencing a lot of hospital closures after the 2008 financial crisis, and you know, kind of just these eroding economies in certain places, and hospitals just can't quite. They're just not a viable business model. So then you kind of end up with either a regional hospital or medical centers that have to, to have to fill in the gaps. Um, you're, if you're just joining us, you're listening to West Obsessed with me, Brian Calvert. I'm the managing editor of High Country News. Uh, I'm talking about rural health care today with our assistant editor, Kate Schimmel, and our editorial fellow, Paige Blankenbuehler, looking at how, how there are challenges to rural health care and how, how different communities deal with those. So here in Paonia, Colorado, for example, we found family networks help, um, volunteer volunteerism helps. Um, but there are some other interesting things that we found um, with some reporting partners in uh, New Mexico and here in Colorado. Um, because one of the other things that happens is if there are hospitals, there's generally an emergency room. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's these other kinds of health care uh, providers, um, for example, for uh, mental health care. So people end up taxing the emergency room in a way uh, that wouldn't normally happen if you had a lot of other um, medical support. So, Kate, maybe you could talk about uh, one of the stories that we found out of Alamosa. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, first of all, Going back to talking about the emergency room as like primary healthcare provider, 
so I'm not from a rural area. I come from the Front Range of Colorado. Um, I have only ever visited the emergency room in an emergency. I sliced open my hand, I broke my arm, whatever it was. In rural areas, if you don't, I mean, I had a primary care physician. I went to them for almost everything, colds, whatever. Here, the clo- well, not, not here in Paonia, but in many communities in the West, your closest healthcare provider is a hospital. And the way you get into that hospital is the ER. So you are going to the ER if you have a cold, you are going to the ER if you fell down, you are going to the ER if at the extreme end, you are in a mental health crisis. That means you might be having a psychotic episode, you might be depressive, you might be suicidal, and you are going into a place that is extremely brightly lit, it is very chaotic, you might have three to five hour wait times, and you are in a crisis. And in ERs, the folks there are supposed to help you when you're in crisis, but mental health crisis is a little different. And you, your doctor, your emergency room doctor, may not be trained to deal with that or may not have the time to give you the tools that you need. And that is what Leah Todd, who works for the Solutions Journalism Network, found in Alamosa, Colorado. She found this guy, Steve Ledouan, who was regularly visiting the emergency room when he was in a mental health crisis. And he was, you know, he's a recovering alcoholic. He's got mental issues. He had a change in his medication and experienced a psychotic episode. And he ended up in the ER. And to, to put that in perspective, okay, so this is one guy. He's been there several times. This emergency room has nine beds. So every time he's in there, that's a bed that someone else can't be in. And the emergency room doctors are not able to actually help him deal with the underlying cause, which is his mental health. And so what Alamosa has done is there's this new clinic. It's called um, Mi Esperanza, My Hope. And it's, with, it's, it's a model called a crisis living room. And I think just the name is a great example of yeah, how I it's love that. yeah, it's such a great example of how it's different than an emergency room, right? So you're going to your crisis living room rather than to your emergency room, and it's set up totally differently. They have couches with comfy chairs and comfy pillows, and they have what he calls the star room, uh, where he can go and relax. And it plays. They play his favorite music, which the music he finds relaxing is Pearl Jam. So they play Pearl Jam and they... Doesn't everyone? <laughs> I don't know if that would be my first choice if I needed to relax, but, but it, it calms Steve down. And so he was referred there by an emergency room doctor. And I just imagine this emergency room doctor being like, oh my God, Steve, I have seen you nine times in the past two years. We need to find you something else. I finally have something to provide you. And he referred him there and, and he now regularly visits um, Mia Speranza and... As an example, you know, a couple months ago, the pharmacy got his medication wrong. It was a genuine challenge for Steve. Like he had to remain calm. He needs this medication in order to remain calm, in order to deal with what he needs to deal with. And he knows that if he gets very stressed, he could end up back in the emergency room. So instead of dealing with the medication right then, he walked over to the crisis living room, laid in the star room, listened to Pearl Jam, relaxed, and then was better able to go 
deal with his medical situation. I, I mean, it's hard to measure what effect that'll have. They really don't know whether this works. Anecdotally, there's some great stories like Steve's where it, it, it's actively helping his life be better. But it's not clear if it's taking the stress off of rural emergency rooms. Well, I think the bottom line, though, what we learned in a lot of this reporting was that um, you, there are a lot of ways that people have to just find innovative solutions to these problems. So, you know, figuring out uh, a, like a kind of a patchwork of solutions. So, uh, you know, tele, teleconferencing uh, the administration of a stroke drug or coming up with a different way for people to just kind of relax and stay out of the ER. Um, Paige, you said that Paonia could could be a model in some ways, and I'm wondering if you could explain that a little bit better. Um, sure. I don't know how widely it could be applied. Um, while I was reporting on the community, I met some really amazing and amazingly healthy elderly people. Uh, one example is Peggy Clement. She's 102 years old, and she has, you know, limited health needs. She's in very good health. Um, and that was definitely a theme throughout my reporting is we have a, a strikingly healthy elderly population. Um, at the same time, though, there are, um, there are programs that are trying to fill in the gaps. And one of those is called A Little Help. And this is just being driven totally by people in Paonia who are approaching that age where they might need a little help. Um, so yeah, they're putting a lot of their time and resources doing this completely volunteer driven, just trying to gauge interest in, in Paonia about how many people can come on board with this. Um, so there's that. Uh, there's also a really good network of, of church organizations here that are really supportive of communities and people with disabilities and elderly populations. So Paonia, is, it, it's an interesting model. Basically, um, we're losing a clinic here and we're already prepared in a lot of ways to address some of those, those strains that it's gonna have on our community. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what I think is really interesting about this is actually the same there's a there's a thing where that the problem is created by um, folks who uh, live in, in a rural area, and that just creates a bunch of challenges. But what we see at High Country News time and time again, whenever a rural area kind of meets or runs into challenges, there's there are these weird ad hoc solutions, and it usually turns out to be uh, or turns out to be neighborliness in a way. Um, and so there's this kind of interesting. To me, anyway, it's just an interesting paradox of like people really kind of have to step up and take care of each other um, and find these solutions. And I think one of the things that we try to do at the magazine is actually just at least point out some examples of solutions and also try to give a bigger picture of um, of the issues that these communities are facing. And yeah, I think that point about neighborliness is really is a really good one. And and one of the really interesting patterns that we saw come out of this uh, Small Towns Big Change project is that so many of the solutions build on that neighborliness. Like hospitals or people working together better. So one concrete example of that is that there's a group of 10 hospitals in rural New Mexico that they were all struggling by themselves, like lone ships on the big sea, and they decided to stop going it alone. 
So they all got together, they created a network, and now they're sharing resources. So they have pulled money and they've hired specialists with that money. They've, you know, they've all been struggling with these things like as basic as getting doctors to file their paperwork on time. Um, and they've started, because they came together, finding these really creative solutions um, that they can all share around. And, and I think that kind of fix, you know, we see that in healthcare, we see that in a few other areas in rural communities. We're just saying, okay, we don't have a lot, but we've got neighborliness, let's use that, um, has created some solutions that have helped fix or, or at least address some of these gaps that we see um, right. I mean, yeah, that's it's really interesting because uh, New Mexico, you know, when you look at the data, there's one third of the state's population lives in health professional shortage areas, or at least they did in 2010. Um, so they can they have a lot to teach us. What about Delta County, Page? What what does it look like here for hospitals? Uh, yeah. So Delta County Hospital is in a really interesting sort of conundrum. Um, so many people end up going to Grand Junction um, when you're already driving 45, 50 minutes from Paonia to get healthcare. Uh, what a lot of people are doing is they're just going all the way to Grand Junction where they can see a wider array of specialists and they can do their sort of one-stop healthcare trip, um, primary care specialists and, and what have you. So. Delta County Hospital is really struggling to stay relevant in some ways. They It's a 45-bed facility, but they hardly ever fill that. Uh, one thing that they might do to fill some of the gaps with our growing elderly population is commit some of those beds to, to hospice. Um, but at the same time, there's this kind of suck away from Delta County because people are going all the way to Grand Junction. So they're kind of caught in the middle trying to be relevant not having the money to offer some of this, the services that people can get in Grand Junction, but trying to make it so that you still have enough people to make that an economical uh, hospital. So that's one of the big challenges in Delta right now. Yeah, and what's really interesting about that actually is when a community loses a hospital, um, you know, in the reporting that we did in uh, Central Valley, that has this weird knock-on effect. Uh, it has an economic effect because um, potential job bringers or investors actually are reticent to relocate to a town or area that doesn't have a hospital. So, you know, we, we really need to be working to find ways to keep as much health care as we can, as dispersed as we can, keep hospitals where, where we can, because that, that can be a real boon to an economy or, or just a really a big loss to an economy uh, if you lose a hospital. So not only do you lose um, the jobs for the people who worked at the hospital, you lose the potential jobs um, for the businesses that might come there because or won't come there if there isn't a hospital. So it kind of you get in these really sticky binds. And so, um, you know, I think it's really important that we keep looking as a community for solutions to a lot of these problems. I think that's probably all we have time for today. Um, you're listening to West Obsessed. This is a collaboration between KVNF and High Country News. Uh, it's where we talk about some of the biggest issues facing the American West. I'm Brian Calvert, the managing editor of High Country News. I've been talking today with our assistant editor, Kate Schimmel, and our editorial fellow, Paige Blankenbuehler. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. And as always, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.